G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. I am your host, Jacob Andre, and today I am talking to Sharice Beardsley. So if you'd like to know more about when you know your why, you know your way, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jacob Andre, and for over a decade, I've trained everyone from children to elite athletes to move better, feel better, and perform better. While a thorough understanding of fitness and nutrition is vital, underpinning that is mindset. And I've come to discover just how important it is. I've worked with literally thousands of people. And more often than not, it's the ones who win the mind game who succeed in the big game. So how do they do it? This is the Mind Your Body Podcast. G'day and welcome to the episode Prelude with Sharice. Before we get into it, if you enjoy this episode, please head on over to YouTube and share it with your friends and head on over to the Apple Podcast app and give us a review. All right. The interview with Sharice, who is an international business consultant, very much touches on her passion for nonprofits and going off the grid. And this was really interesting and talking about her experiences with living off the grid. Crazy. All right. So in this episode, Sharice and I talked about how and why she got into business coaching, why she came to found, I don't know if that's the right wording, how she founded an international nonprofit that advocates for and the importance of cultural exchanges. Her experiences climbing Machu Picchu violently sick in a weekend. This was such a fascinating story. Communal living, which is common in uh, countries alike in South America and Asia, uh, other parts of the country outside of the Western world versus the individualistic cultures that we typically see in our Western society. The biggest lessons we can learn from developing countries to improve our health in Western countries how to use Instagram to meditate and slow down. And I'm not just talking about particular apps that get you to slow down. I'm talking about how you can use every single post that you scroll through on Instagram as you're scrolling vertically up in order to slow down and to, med- to meditate and to slow down. Going off the grid, her experience going off the grid in a place called Boundary Waters on the border between Canada and Wisconsin with just a backpack canoe and fishing poles. And now I'm not talking about just taking her sleeping swag. I'm talking about catching your own food. You don't catch your own food. You don't get your own food out in the wild. You don't eat. So this is like proper going off the grid. Crazy. It's more at an advanced level. And Sharice does also talk about how to ease your way into going off the grid. Why firsthand experience can be crazy, but is so valuable and important. Why Sharice managed, how Sharice managed her health while starting her business. Why saying no feels so good. Gaining clarity and focus. Finding the balance between having clarity and having the flexibility to change. And I think anyone who's got any goal they're chasing can really benefit from that. How to plan and go with the flow and how to get back into exercise post-pandemic. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, I would really love to hear what your biggest takeaways were. Please share them with myself at the Mind Your Body Show with underscores in between and Sharice on your Instagram stories. And Sharice's Instagram is at Why Coaching and Consulting. Share, tag both of us in your stories, take a screenshot and let us know what your biggest takeaways were. Here's what some of mine were. The ones that I really enjoyed the most were around climbing Machu Picchu, absolutely violently sick and intending on not doing it. I'm not going to give away whether she did do it or not. I kind of have alluded to it a little bit, but um, she 
she may or may not make it. You're gonna have to listen. It's yeah, it's it's crazy. She was violently sick and she had no intentions of doing it. And I'll talk about how she even got to the point of considering doing it. The lessons we can learn from developing countries to improve our own health. I think that was one of my biggest takeaways. Uh, how to ease your way into going off the grid. I really liked her strategies for how to do that. And it reminds me very much of how to start fasting and following different sort of strategies in order to start fasting. Um, she also, one, the other takeaways were why going virtual is not necessarily the answer during and post COVID. Um, how to get back into exercise post pandemic and how to mesh conflicting values. Now, this is having a value and having to pursue actions that may be necessary in order to follow that value, but may not synchronize with that value, may not mesh with that value. And that was something that was probably my biggest takeaway. So whatever your biggest takeaway was, please share it with us um, at the Mind Your Body Show and why, at Why Coaching and Consulting on Instagram Stories. I hope you really enjoy this episode. Without any further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Podcast. This is your host, Jacob Andre, and today I'm lucky enough to have with me Cherise Beardsley. How are you, Cherise? I am doing wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be doing this with you. And I'm so excited that you have decided to be here with us. Before we get into it, can you give us just a quick introduction to who you are? Oh, quick introduction. Wow, that's loaded. <laughs> well, um, as you said, my name is Cherise. Um, I am located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in the United States, uh, born and raised here. I've lived all over the U.S. and I've actually traveled quite a bit um, internationally. I am the founder, owner, and international business consultant of Y Coaching and Consulting, and I have the immense pleasure of working with business owners around the world. Awesome. So, okay, how did you get into coaching and why? <laughs> All right. So you want the long, the long story, the short story? <laughs> let's, go, let's go the long story because I always love hearing people's stories. I reckon people have amazing stories to tell each and every single person. And I absolutely love hearing them. Well, awesome. Because I like telling the story. Um, I think I have a diverse work history. So I started my career with a passion for education. I really from day one, um, being very young, was very adamant about being a teacher. I loved working with young people. I loved the idea of having my own classroom and really like leading um, in the education space. And I took a temporary job as a pre-college advisor after I graduated my undergraduate degree and woke up one morning and had this epiphany and said, I don't want to teach. I want to work in higher ed. Um, I was working with students who were predominantly Spanish-speaking individuals who many of them didn't have SSNs, which meant that they actually couldn't apply for federal funding. And these were extremely brilliant, intelligent um, young men and young women. And I really wanted to identify how I could, you know, help them and support them in getting education after high school, knowing that they didn't have the funds for it. So I did a bit of um, private teaching uh, within the US um, in California and Chicago, and then decided to pursue my graduate degree, which was in um, administrative leadership. At that point, I started working uh, for an international nonprofit, which really opened the doors to a lot of opportunities. Um, I lived abroad in Spain during college and 
just had life-changing experience. Um, I would sit in a park just to speak the language and talk to old people and try on shoes. Like I was not that person like out at the bars. I was really trying to embrace everything I could because um, I was only there for a short you know, semester. And so when I got home, I realized that there weren't a lot of opportunities for people to exchange in language and cultural exchanges unless you were actually studying at a university. And so while I was trying to figure out, you know, where am I going to do my graduate degree and exactly what do I want to do if I want to work in higher ed, I started working for um, an international nonprofit, working with exchange students and host families. And that really opened a lot of opportunities for me to engage with people who had jobs that I didn't even know existed. I didn't know you could work in international education and help students study abroad. I was like, oh my gosh, I never knew this existed. So while I was doing um, my graduate program and while I was working for this nonprofit, um, I started learning more about career fields in international education and ended up meeting some amazing people who were doing some really beautiful work in the education and nonprofit sector and ended up getting a job working as an international admissions recruiter and spent the next three and a half years traveling the world, which was phenomenal. Um, I spent four to six weeks at a time in South America, meeting with students and universities and working on partnership development. And it really evolved into this beautiful connection of education and meeting people from the world. And ultimately I ended up founding an international nonprofit um, that advocates the importance of cultural exchanges and um, really promotes world peace with this idea that we need to bring people together from all walks of life, not just from the um, education higher ed sector. So while I was traveling, um, just having the most amazing experiences, um, I always found myself <laughs> traveling with a yoga mat or weights or exercise bands. And, you know, my colleagues that I'd be traveling with, they'd always kind of like make fun of me. And I'm like, listen, like we stay in some really interesting locations of the world. Like often there's not a gym or there's not time to go for a run. So I always had some sort of exercise equipment with me. And as I got to a point in my career, I kind of decided, you know, I think it's time for me to pursue this other passion in my life outside of education and um, nonprofit work. And that was really the health and wellness industry. And I knew I had to humble myself because I had never worked in the health and wellness field. I was super active. Um, I love trying out new gyms, but I knew that I didn't have the experience, um, you know, like I didn't in, in the education sector. So I got an amazing opportunity that was pretty unexpected. Um, I put my feelers out into the universe. I said, you know, I'm going to just try and find a good fit. And I ended up connecting with, a, with an individual who purchased the rights to open three brand new fitness franchises that were new to my location. And he pretty much wanted this to be his nest egg, but he needed someone to take the keys and run with it. And I literally did. Um, he gave me the keys. We agreed on everything. And I walked into this studio that was literally just studs. Like there was nothing. It was just studs and contractors. And from that point on, I feel like I got an MBA crash course in about a year and a half. <laughs> um, all things business ownership, studio management, staffing, HR, marketing, teaching classes. Um, it was something that I was up for the challenge, but it was one of those things where you only know so much. So this is really what started my career in the health and wellness industry and has just evolved into really my dream job right now. So 
after um, opening that first location, I went on to work with another um, uh, international fitness franchise and I learned a lot, but I really knew that this was a stepping stone to more of a leadership position working in the health and wellness industry. And, you know, my husband's always like, you know, you're so good at like organization and leading people and really impacting change, which was part of my graduate um, dissertation. And it just got to a point where he's like, you should be a consultant. And I was like, yes, I should. (laughs) And so I kind of just, you know, put this out there. It's like, you know, I want to find an opportunity that I can put my skill set to use while also still being in this field that I enjoy so much. And I ended up um, connecting with a startup company that was looking for a business coach working with um, business owners in the health and wellness industry. And I spent about two years working um, with this company and I got to work with business owners all around the world, which was pretty awesome considering my previous background of, you know, really working in, in international um, capacities in different ways. So earlier this year, um, an opportunity kind of presented itself for me to start my own uh, coaching business. And I took that leap of faith and spread my wings. And I am the proud owner of Why Coaching and Consulting, which works with business owners around the world. That's a cool story. How does that feel to be able to say that you're the owner of your own company? You know, it hasn't quite set in yet. Um, It really hasn't. It's, you know, it's always that initial, like, I can do this and then fear and then you're doing it. You're like, am I really doing this? Um, And it's just been so validating to have, you know, people reach out to me to say, hey, I know you, this is what you do. Um, would, Would I be able to, you know, send an intro email to someone that I know that wants to start a business? And just the feedback that I've gotten um, has sometimes made me sit down and take a big deep breath and kind of well up in some happy tears because I'm so grateful that the work I'm doing is, you know, positively impacting business owners. Um, And just with everything going on in the world right now with COVID, I mean, there's people that business ownership, as you know, can be a really lonely place. Um, And with everything going on right now, it's, I, I really put myself out there to say, listen, like, Let's get on a call. I want to offer my support to anyone that needs it because it's overwhelming. Um, but being able to stop and say, like, this is mine. I've created this. I'm proud of it. I'm learning. I'm growing. It's a pretty good feeling. So it sounds like a pretty big shift. What was the name of your initial undergraduate degree that took you around the world? Yeah. So um, I started my undergraduate degree in education and nonprofit, or excuse me, education in Spanish. So I double majored um, in those two uh, platforms. And I knew that I wanted to still work in, you know, a field that would allow me to interact with an education. But then when I really had this idea of like, oh, there's a career working in international work, it just kind of happened where I started, you know, engaging with people who were working in, you know, with exchange students or international students. And, you know, the work that I did with the university, um, I I still, I had exchange students live with me. I suckered my husband into letting um, students from France and Germany and um, uh, Venezuela live with us, which has been so much fun. Um, But it's, it's, I think, something that will always be a part of our world. Um, like I said, I founded an international nonprofit to really advocate the importance of cultural exchanges. And I think especially right now with everything going on in the world, we need to be, we need to be really focusing on how do we bring people together to understand that there's differences that exist um, and we need to learn about them and embrace them. So that's, I'm, I'm intrigued by this starting a nonprofit because that sounds like the sort of thing that celebrities do when they finish their 
athletic career in the NBA or something. <laughs> How do you start a nonprofit? Well, so what happened was I was working with this, um, with this, inter- this big international nonprofit that really focused on exchanges. So it was really focusing on bringing exchange students, high school students into the U.S. and bringing on uh, taking high school students within the U.S. to other uh, areas of the world. And I spent about seven years working with this nonprofit. As a part-time contractor, my role was really, um, I was actually like the liaison between the high schools, between the families, um, and between the students, which I love. Sometimes I had to mediate when kids were not doing what they needed to do. Um, but I loved it. I got to inter- interact with these you know, high school students from all over the world and really help families from remote areas of Wisconsin who had never really experienced you know, talking to someone from another country. Um, it, it was just really beautiful to see these kids come into these areas of Wisconsin that had never experienced that before and make a big impact. And so So when I started doing that, I started um, really connecting with people in that field, whether it was through just um, some charity events that were going on. Um, I was actually really advocating in my area the importance of bringing people together. Um, I ended up uh, connecting with an individual who started a nonprofit in France in a very remote region of France where the, the students there and the um, individuals in this in this region, they don't leave. And so they don't have an understanding even of like, what is an American? You know, I, I'd love to get to know an American. Um, and so we ended up connecting and saying, you know, there's something here. And I told him, I said, I've always had this dream to start a nonprofit to bring people together. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to do it now. And I said, I wouldn't be willing to really create this partnership unless I got to know you and the work that you're doing. So I spent a year um, researching and soaking in every piece of knowledge I could about what it is to start a nonprofit, um, who you need uh, behind you. And I, on my own dime, flew out to this remote region of France, spent about two weeks there getting to know this nonprofit, the work they do, um, going and teaching English in some community centers and um, actually retirement communities. And I flew home, I said, okay, I gotta make this happen. So I you know, did this all on my own time while working um, full time and doing a graduate degree and it turned into something so beautiful. Um, we had our first exchange student from France come and stay here in Wisconsin. Um, she stayed with the host family. She exchanged her kind of living situation for uh, um, French lessons. Um, she stayed with my husband and I as well. And then I actually created a partnership with our local YMCA, which is a huge um, health and wellness affiliation that any exchange students that came through uh, our nonprofit would be able to volunteer there um, to just get experience working with other youth and to practice their English language. So cool. So you traveled a lot, obviously. What yeah. do you think is the best country you've ever been to? Oh my goodness. It's so hard. Um, I had a really uh, just kind of unique experience um, in uh, Peru. Um, I have colleagues that we would travel together every year. So we'd probably see each other two to three times. And these were colleagues from Rome and Switzerland and all over the world. And we came together you know, it's like this extension of friendship that you might not talk to these people every day, but you get to see them every few months. And we were traveling for about three weeks um, all over South America. And we had a weekend and we had decided we were going to fly over to Peru, hike Machu Picchu, and then get back to work on Monday. Well, I got violently sick, like terribly sick. We ate dinner that night and we woke up in the hostel and I looked at her and I said, Stefania, 
I'm not doing good. Like I either got food poisoning or I got water poisoning. And I, we were supposed to get up at 3 a.m. to get on the bus, to go to the train, to then hike to the summit and then hike Machu Picchu. And I said, you have to go. Like I, I, we flew here together, but like, you've got to go on your own. And it was like, we were in tears. She's like, I don't want to leave. And I said, you got to go. So she went and here I am alone in this hostel, no cell phone. And I'm terribly sick. And the owner of the hostel is this 70 year old man. And him and his wife took care of me all night. I mean, they went to the hospital, they um, got me uh, antibiotics, and they took care of me, brought me soup, um, made sure I was drinking water for the next 24 hours. And he said, listen, we got to get you on the train and the bus to the summit so you can meet your friend. I'm like, what? I'm like, there's no way. He's like, no, we're going to. He's like, we're going to give you all the, all the fluids. We're going to, they made me homemade soup. And I didn't think I would tell you, like, I didn't think I was going to make it. I was like really worried, but they um, patched me up. They got me on that bus. I got on that train. Somehow, um, by the grace of the Peruvian gods, I made it to the base of Machu Picchu and my friend was waiting there. And we just kind of said, listen, from this time to this time, if you're there, great. If not, we'll meet back at the hostel before we have to catch our flight to Ecuador. <laughs> and she was there. And we spent the day hiking. Um, it was beautiful. I, I cried like a baby because I felt so grateful that these strangers took care of me. And we made it um, to the train and I continued to be violently sick, but I made it. <laughs> so there's a special place in my heart um, for Peru, but uh, so much of South America is so beautiful. I, I, I really, really love um, Colombia as well. There's some beautiful areas of Colombia that I think a lot of people don't um, realize. Um, but Peru is a, is a very special place for me. And is that the place, so if you could go back to anywhere, is that, where would you go to? Which of the countries that you've been to, would you go back to like, <sighs> in a heartbeat? It's so hard. Um, I would probably say Peru or Ecuador. Yeah. Yeah, just culturally, um, it's just, they're very culturally rich. Um, it, it, the food is amazing and the people are just so, so welcoming. It's funny because when you, when you travel a bit, one of the things that I think is common amongst particularly Westerners, um, so Australians, English, Americans, is that when you go to some of countries in South America or through Asia, the most common theme is they were so welcoming. They, they looked after me when I was violently sick and made sure I got to the top of Machu Picchu or like yes. stories like that. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, when I lived abroad, um, the first two months I was there, I got really sick and, um, my senora, she didn't leave my side for three days. She took care of me and I called my, my mom and I said, this is, you know, this isn't an everyday thing, right. That you, I think experience back home where it's kind of like more individualistic and families, you know, don't live together. And, you know, other countries, I think that's something that's impacted me a lot is, the family unit and the family structure is very different. You know, here in the U.S. at 18, you are about, you're, you need, you want to get out of the house. Like I want to graduate and I want to get out of the house and I want to leave my family. Um, but in other countries, it, it's different, right? It, it's um, families live together for longer. There's this more communal aspect of it. Um, and it's something that, you know, my husband and I talk about a lot. We have 15 nieces and nephews um, and we spend a lot of time with them and we have summer parties. And so we, we talk about that when we, you know, are ready to start a family. We want there to be this idea of like spending more time together as cliche as it sounds, you know, we, I spent a lot of time with my family growing up and it was kind of like the, not the norm um, in our community. So 
we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so what do you think is the biggest lesson that we can learn from countries like that in, t in order to improve our health? Yeah, I think slowing down. I think this is such an important piece and I can say it's, it's been something that my husband has helped me a lot with. Um, we are so fast paced, uh, so fast paced that I think sometimes we forget to slow down and really enjoy the little things in life. Um, I'll tell you, I'm the worst sick person. If I feel a cold coming on, I'm like, I'm going to go run seven miles and just run out of me. And I've learned that that doesn't work. And my husband's like, just embrace it slow down just if you got a cold just don't work out that day which is hard for all of us um but just really slowing down and enjoying a good meal um enjoying a good conversation with you know your family um going outside and taking a walk i think the little things in life that i think we don't slow down to actually enjoy um we miss out on you know before you know it two years have passed and we're like oh what did i do in the last two years <laughs> And going out and camping because one of the things that I really love about following you on Instagram is that you always seem to be out on some camping trip in some exotic location that looks like it's from, I'm not even joking. The other day I was looking at some of the photos you put up from a camping trip. I think it was last weekend. And I yeah. had to catch myself thinking that I was actually looking at a national geographic magazine, national geographic oh. traveler magazine. And I was like, cause I really enjoy looking at those pictures in those sorts of magazines or sometimes on Instagram and just like mm -hmm. absorbing myself into the picture as if I'm there. It's almost like meditation and yeah. wherever you were, that was, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And I think that's something that, um, you know, I'm, I was very lucky. Like when I lived abroad in college, like I was, um, I received in uh, a five-year academic scholarship to to study and if I wouldn't have had that scholarship college would have been really hard for me um, I worked three jobs I was always working to pay for school and then I also got a scholarship um, to study abroad and so I took that experience really seriously because I'm like I don't know if I'll be able to do this again and so when I had that experience I came home and you know not many people in my community had done that because it's costs a lot of money to to travel and, and live abroad. And so that's been a big part of my life. I really have always um, wanted to experience other cultures and other languages, um, be uncomfortable, right? Like being in situations where you're like, I don't know how to communicate with you, but I'm going to figure it out. And so that's something that my job um, working uh, at the university doing international recruitment and partnership development, it really allowed me some really unique opportunities to engage with people from all over the world, from India to Australia, all over South America um, and Asia. And so I feel really blessed um, because it has impacted, you know, myself and my husband, um, just bringing home artwork from around the world, um, you know, having exchange to live with, live with us. But my husband and I are also very outdoorsy, which I'm grateful that we're both kind of on the same page. I don't like to just sit on a beach, even though I do enjoy beach vacations. Um, <laughs> we do love camping. So I grew up uh, in the Midwest and my mom took us uh, camping all summer and, and we loved it, just playing in the woods and kind of being adventurous, um, exploring. And so uh, about let's see, this year marks five years that my husband and I have been married been together for 12. And we actually went backpacking in the woods for our honeymoon. Um, so there is a beautiful place called the uh, Boundary Waters on the border of Canada and Minnesota. It's eight hours from us here in Wisconsin. My husband had gone twice uh, with good friends. And what you do is you go in with a huge backpack, dry food, a canoe and fishing poles, and you disappear in the woods. You're off the grid. There's no cell phone reception. Um, you don't, you know, taking pictures actually is work. And so like 
I, I told my husband, I was like, we got to take a lot of picture this time because we don't know if we're going to be able to go next year um, because we're planning another trip. And, but usually like you forget, you know, your phone doesn't come out, your camera doesn't come out. So what happens is you, you go in with all your stuff and you disappear into the woods and you might go through days without seeing someone, which is awesome. Um, we have never seen bears, but there are bears up there. There's moose, um, there's all sorts of wild animals, but you have your backpack and your canoe and you portage. So you get in the water and you paddle across the lake until you can't paddle anymore. And then you get out and you carry all your stuff through land and you do that um, for as far as you wanna go. You set up your campsite and you just enjoy every day, swimming and fishing, hanging out with a campfire. Um, we like to whittle, we like to whittle some things um, in our free time, you bring a book. But disconnecting from social media and like truly not having access to a cell phone or a computer, it's so good for the soul. Everyone needs to do it. Oh my gosh. Do it. If you haven't done it this year, I dare you to do it. <laughs> so how, how do you start that? Because I'm sure there's people listening who are going, oh, that sounds pretty cool, Therese, you know, to get out and just do whatever in the woods. But like three days without my phone, like that gives me anxiety <laughs> and makes me freak out. I'm sure there's like a way you can sort of ease yes. your way into it. So twofold, like first, if you've never done a trip like this, um, go camping first, find a campsite, go to your local campgrounds and do just like a weekend trip because going into the woods and having to fish for your food and build your fire and there's no toilets, there's no hot water, that's a much different experience than your typical weekend camping trip. <laughs> so first thing is just, just find a local campsite to go to for the weekend. Try going 24 hours, right? So you get to your campgrounds in the evening, try not to turn your phone off for the next 24 hours. Um, that would be the first step. You've got to try and go at least a full 24 hours. Cause if you say, Oh, I'm going to go 12 hours. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. And you're either doing it during the night when you're sleeping, or you say, <laughs> I'm going to wake up in the morning, turn it off. And then you look at it before bed, which just changes, right? It just triggers a lot of chemicals in our brain to start doing other things. So I would challenge you to start off with just 24 hours of turning off that phone. If you can. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know what it actually reminded me of as you were saying that is how to start fasting. So that's become quite popular and it's, it sounds like it's a kind of similar strategy in order to start that, you know, regular fasting. Yeah. Baby steps. It's all about balance, right? Like you can't say, I'm going to go seven days without a cell phone if I've never done it before. Probably going to be pretty hard, especially if you have access to it, right? The other thing is like when you're in the boundary waters, like there's no choice. Once you go in, <laughs> There's no self reception, so you can't even try and get on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you've then, so from all your experience, like amazing experiences far out um, in education and the non-for-profits and traveling around the world and getting sick in Machu Picchu, you've then come back and decided to start your business through having helped um, begin the other, the other fitness franchises. Mm -hmm. um, you said to me off air, before we started that you'd feel like you didn't sleep for six months. Tell me a little bit about that. So that was when the first um, business that I opened, which was the fitness business uh, back in 2014, you know, I had never run a business before. This was before my consulting days. So I didn't know anything. I had the skill set to make it happen, but I never experienced managing a gym, owning a gym. And so 
this was a position where um, the owner was considered absentee because he had a full-time job and he needed me to get this bad boy up and running. And I was all for it. I was like, let's do this. Um, I will hire everyone. I will train everyone. I will learn how to teach classes as a kickbox instructor. Um, I will manage the books. I will manage the marketing. I will manage when there's a leak in the ceiling and I will manage all of our clients and meet our revenue goals. Wow. <laughs> um, I was up for it, but it was an immense amount of work because I was learning as I was going. And I'll say if I didn't have that experience, I wouldn't be as successful as I am in the work that I do with business owners because I had to live that. I had to experience it firsthand to really understand and be able to connect with my clients say, I have been in your shoes. I have had days where I wake up and I'm just like, oh my gosh, how am I even get through this day? I got to hire a new staff member. I got an angry client. I got a leak in the ceiling and I don't know if I'm going to make payroll this month. And so that experience, although looking back, was crazy. Um, the fact that someone, you know, gave me this opportunity, I was so, so grateful um, because I wouldn't be where I'm at without that, that opportunity. Now, when I started my, my coaching and consulting business um, this year, obviously, this is a much different beast, right? There's not a brick and mortar business. There's not as much overhead. It's just me. But what happened is I ended up connecting with um, some pretty awesome uh, referrals, one of which is a software company in the health and wellness industry. And I reached out to them because one of my clients said, hey, have you heard about this software? I'm thinking about you know, transitioning to a new software. And I said, I haven't, let me reach out. So I do what I do and I say, hey, I wanna be up to speed about all the amazing options that are out there for my clients. So I just contacted the owner. I said, hey, I'd love to connect and learn more about your software. I have clients who are interested. And that's just kind of how I am. If someone doesn't wanna connect, that's cool. I won't be offended, but I wanna learn. And so we ended up having a call and we both were like, you know what, this was a really great call. Let's continue the conversation. And after a few conversations, you know, the, the co-founder was like, listen, like you're asking some questions that no one on our team has. We're a startup, we're growing, but we think, you know, we could really utilize, you know, your expertise in the health and wellness industry. Like, would you be interested in working with us? And I said, yeah, this is what I do. I work with startups, I work with businesses. And so this has really evolved into um, such a, I think, a unique thing where I get to work with individuals who have brick and mortar businesses. I get to work with individuals who are starting their first virtual business. And I get to work with people who are saying, listen, Sharice, like I need to make some big changes um, or I'm going to have to close and rethink what I'm doing as an entrepreneur. And now I'm working with, you know, some larger companies that are impacting the health and wellness industry on a large scale because they're the individuals that are helping them manage their business on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so now I can say I am not losing sleep um, over stress or just a million and one things to do. I'm losing sleep because I'm so excited about the potential that's coming um, in the future with these amazing uh, connections I've made. So did you find you had to deal with, um, like when you first started, how did you manage your own health? Because it, it would be quite a fair workload. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's such a, a great question because part of what I started doing when I said, 
I'm going to start this business and it's, it's going to go and, and it's going to evolve as I go. Because there was some big questions just with what was happening within the industry. Obviously, industries are ever changing. As a business consultant, like you always have to keep up with what's going on in the industry that you support. And I didn't want to limit myself to one specific area, but I'm super passionate about the health and wellness industry. Um, so one of the things that I told myself was that I'm going to take it one day at a time. I'm not going to think about where do I need to be in five years because I really wanted to enjoy this process of starting this business. Um, and I wanted to take it slow while also knowing like it's going to grow and I'm confident everything I've done. If I, if I've worked really hard and it hasn't worked out, I've learned from it and said, okay, you know, I need to utilize this in the future. And so part of the process of, you know, um, growing my client base and identifying who I really want to work with and making sure I was taking care of myself is being honest about who I wanted to work with. And I have actually was offered an amazing opportunity um, to work with um, a company that I think the world of, but it just wasn't the right fit. And it felt really good to say, you know what? I am so grateful for this opportunity, but it's not the, the right fit. And that was not the first time that that's happened, but it made me realize that I made the decision because I didn't want to take on this full-time opportunity with other things that I had going on in my life. So I think part of what I'm really focusing on and really making sure that I'm kind of coaching my clients on is taking a step back. I think sometimes we make decisions really quickly out of fear or out of stress or out of anxiety. So slowing down to really think through, is this what I want to be doing? And that really is kind of the mission of my business. Um, why coaching and consulting? Um, you know, my, my tagline is, um, what's your why? You know, when you know your why, you'll know your way. And I think this is something that resonates with so many business owners because sometimes we lose that, right? We're wearing many hats, we're, we're hiring, we're trying to manage the books, we're doing marketing, we're teaching, um, we're in the business. And so I, I work with a lot of my clients to say, let's take a step back and let's really think about why did you start this business? business and you know who are your ideal clients and have we lost sight of that i think it's such a powerful business name and also your motto uh and i i think really what it comes down to is clarity and being clear on why you're doing something and there's different what i've come to learn is that there's different elements to clarity and so being clear on the long-term plan the five-year ten-year plan or yeah. being really clear on who you want to work with and being clear on why you do what you do so um, is that, are you saying that for you right now that there is no, uh, I'm putting, that there's no clarity in the long term because you want to be able to evolve? Is there any idea of what's happening, what you want to happen in the next five to 10 years? Yeah. So what happened when I started having these conversations, um, you know, I, I started having people ask me, well, you know, what are your plans for the business? Like, do you want to grow it? Do you want to scale it? And at that point I was like, I just started a business and I'm super excited to have clients and it's going so well. And I think sometimes it's finding this balance of like having these plans. But what I've realized with everything that's going on in 2020 is that so much of what happens is out of our control, right? And so I am a nerd at heart. Um, you, you've probably seen some of my work on saying like, how can you be organized? How can you structure your day to be successful? I've also had to accept that things happen. Life's gonna happen. Life is gonna throw you curveballs. And so I've, I've been trying to find this balance of, I can have this five-year plan and say, I'm gonna scale my business and I'm gonna have coaches under me. And 
there could be some opportunities that come up that I'm going to say, you know what, this is probably a better direction for my business. So what happened is I had this company ask me like, well, what's your plan? Are, are you going to hire people? Because if we're going to work together, like you're going to grow so quickly that you're going to need to hire staff. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I should probably think about this. <laughs> so it's been really exciting to like think about the potential. Um, but I think what I'm also realizing too is, being flexible and open to other paths opening because I think that's kind of been um, a consistent message in my life where um, I'm a planner at heart and sometimes when things don't go as planned, it can kind of, you know, hit us in a way where we like have different expectations and I'm a big believer in setting super high expectations, but if something happens that they're not met, I got to reevaluate why. Is it me? Do I need to revisit my expectations? Um, is it not the work that I put in? But no, I think having clarity is so important while also being flexible to change. Yeah, and I think personally, that's something that I've struggled with immensely. And that's that I have this idea, whether it's that I've sat down and drawn out this like big five-year plan or I've written it out or, um, or I've just sort of got a bit of an idea somewhere in the deep crevices of my brain, that nothing ever works out the way I... I planned. So when I start out, I go, okay, this is where I think what it, this is what I want to happen. This is where I think I'm going to end up. But then this opportunity arises, this opportunity arises, this opportunity, and you end up like pivoting and ending up like in this place that you is so far removed from where you initially thought. Yeah. And then in my head, I have this challenge of, Oh yeah, but I was supposed to end up here. Even though this place is like 10 times better. <laughs> so well, yeah, but, yeah, but that's what happened. Like, you know, I woke up that morning and it was, I was, just in the first year of dating my now husband. And I was like, I have this epiphany. I was like, I, I don't want to teach. Like I, I want to work with international students in some capacity. He's like, okay. Like that was such a pivotal moment in my life. And a few months ago when I was having this conversation um, with this, with a software company and, and, you know, the owner said, you know, well, what's your five-year plan? Like, are you going to scale this business? Like are, if we're going to work together, it was kind of this um, aha moment that, there's so much untapped potential that I probably don't even know exists yet. And I'm super excited to almost not see it because it's going to evolve in a way that I'm like, Oh, I started in 2020 and, and look where I'm at now. Um, so I'm, I'm super grateful for some of the opportunities that have like really organically happened. Like I said, when I reached out to this, to the software company. Um, so I'm now working with uh, this company, they're called fit degree. And FitDegree is a startup uh, health and wellness um, management software. And what's unique is, and you probably know this as a business consultant, I've done more demos of software platforms and CRM management platforms than I'd like to admit. But I'm really big on follow through and customer service. So when I had this call with Fit Degree, I was like, wow, they are all about making sure you feel supported and that your questions are valued. And I've done demos where I'm like, I'm just like a number. And so that's why I was really eager because this is the type of company that I want to align with. And so when we continued the conversation and we're kind of, you know, realizing and, and unpacking their, this potential to work together, I was really excited to say, I want to tell people about 
what you're doing. Um, you know, there's lots of software companies out there, Mind Body, Wellness Living, but Fit Degree is doing something pretty awesome where they're creating a community experience that's different. And it's something that I'm just super excited to, to continue to see evolve, especially with what's happening right now in, in brick and mortar gyms. It's challenging to keep their clients engaged. So. So where do you think everything's going then? So at the time of recording, it's 2020 and we're yeah. in the middle of a pan worldwide <laughs> pandemic. It's very unprecedented. But yes. where do you, where do you think we're going to well, not end up, but where do you think we're going? I don't want to yeah. say that because of what we just spoken about. You um, just never know. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I, I am, I feel like I'm going to be the outcast. I am having some tough conversations, right? So part of the conversation that I'm having um, with the fit degree team right now is their clients, right? Back in March, the whole fitness industry said, pivot, go online, go virtual. Like you need to have streaming classes and that's great. But the reality is people are going to be nervous when I say this. The reality is brick and mortar businesses cannot be sustainable on live streaming video platforms. And I'll tell you why. You have these big, beautiful health and wellness companies like Peloton and Obey and all these other online bar and Beachbody Fitness. They have the most beautiful, perfect production quality. The sound, the lighting, the imagery, um, the technology, it's perfect. It's seamless and it's at a fraction of the cost of what a brick and mortar business membership would be. And so back in March, when the whole industry and the industry experts were saying, hey, you need to pivot, like you need to go online, that was to survive and maintain. The reality is if you own a brick and mortar business, you have to get your clients back into the studio. You have to get them re-engaged into, into your community. Um, and this is just the reality. If you're going to close your brick and mortar business and want to go all virtual, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but the challenge then is if you bring your clients back into the studio because you've been allowed to open, what do we do with those clients that aren't ready to come back yet? And that's where we do need to have options. We can still do some live streaming and offer them some, some options or hold their account. But the reality is Brick and mortar businesses cannot pay their bills on virtual only classes because larger corporations have just such higher quality production value at a fraction of the cost of these brick and mortar business memberships. Yeah, so true. I can definitely see that point of view. And do you think a part of that also is that people just need that connection and they're feeling that connection, even that desire for connection even more so now? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like even with my clients, um, when their gyms had to close, I said, keep your clients engaged, get a private Facebook group, get a, a, a text message chain going for those that want it. You know, the really cool thing um, about Fit Degree is their app has a community platform where they can communicate with all of their clients within the app on like a message board, which nobody else is doing, right? Many people aren't on Facebook or they're not on social media. And so the biggest thing back in March when businesses closed was keep your clients engaged. And let me tell you, it was hard. It was a lot of work on these studio owners to keep their members engaged, manage all the, the, the aspects of COVID and keeping their staff safe and figuring out how they're going to pay their bills. And so when everyone kind of started reopening this summer, many of those clients were disengaged because of the reality of the world. Many of them were disengaged because it was time of year where they're outside being active. And so this fall is really when brick and mortar businesses need to say, what do we need to do to re-engage their clients? And I'll tell you, 
it's, it's manual labor. It's picking up the phone and calling your members. Can we revisit your goals? Can we revisit why you joined our studio? What do we need to do to keep you engaged? Um, it's not an easy task, but this is why we work in the boutique fitness industry. We care about our communities, our small knit, you know, um, groups of clients. We really want to see them reach their goals. And so it is extra work. You know, this isn't your big box gym that just relies on numbers coming through the door. So it's a, it's definitely a different approach, but you need to make sure that you have the platforms in place to really support you to get your clients re-engaged and back on their health and wellness journey. And do you think those studios that did well at continuing to engage their clients did so or were assisted because they already had really good community bonds built? Yeah. So I think that's a great question. And I, I see, I've seen a little bit of, of all of it. So I've had some studios who have amazing communities, but with everything that was going on in the lives of our clients, whether it was kids were home or loved ones were laid off, or there was just a fear. There's so much fear and uncertainty going on. Members definitely got disengaged. I mean, my husband and I decided to, you know, we didn't, we haven't been back at our gym since they closed in March, partially because we have people in our family that are immune compromised and we have young children in our family and we're both working from home. So we made this decision for our family as a whole and we miss our gym so much, you know? So I think it's, there's so many different factors that sometimes are out of the control of the studio owner. So I have a studio owner on the East coast who, when we stopped working together last year, she had met her revenue goals. She was smooth sailing. Things were going so well. COVID hit. She has an older demographic. She has mostly equipment based classes and that equipment couldn't go to their homes, even though she was able to rent out some equipment. The reality is when you're closed from March until July and your members are afraid to come back because they're not sure what's going on in the world, it was completely out of her hands. She did everything she could to keep them engaged, but then getting them back into the studio and then getting them back into a consistent um, uh, pattern of activity was really hard. And so it, it, it's really hard for studio owners right now because they need their whole team on board. And obviously that's a whole nother topic of what's happening with our staff as well. And what are your recommendations for someone about to get back into exercise? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, for even for my husband and I, like we're talking about getting back to our gym and one of the things we've done is we've kind of accepted that this is a different season in our life, right? So we know that this hasn't been the, just in terms of, I, I think our health and wellness, um, we're, we haven't been consistent in our, in our activity in the way that we used to. I mean, we were avid gym goers, you know, four to five times a week. This summer, I walked more than I've ever walked in my life. Like, you know, five mile walks a day and just trying to get out in nature and get out in the community because we weren't going inside. So I think for anyone that's been out of their gym for a while and is having a hard time getting back on the horse, just go. If you're part of a gym, just pick one day and go see how you feel. Even for us going back to the gym, knowing that we have to wear masks, it's intimidating right? It's a little uncomfortable. We're not used to it. We get very set in our ways. Um, the other thing is getting creative and saying, you know what, maybe this, I'm not going to be able to go back to my gym four days a week. Like I wanted to, maybe their class schedule is different, but getting creative. Um, for me personally, virtual is, is not my friend. Um, I like to be inside um, a classroom with other people because that motivates me and that challenges me. So I've had to kind of identify like what types of platforms do I need to be a part of? So I think also revisiting 
what is your ideal workout environment? Um, because I think it's been so long since we've all kind of been in that comfort zone of like, our, you know, where we're most comfortable. Um, and some gyms are, you know, being really conscious of um, how they're reopening and, you know, um, re-engaging their clients in terms of like, how much connection can you have? You know, can you actually adjust a person's form? And so all these little pieces, I think, are just part of us getting back into that comfortable place of, of where we want to be. Yeah, awesome. Therese, this has been an amazing conversation. And I thank you for coming on the Mind Your Body podcast and sharing all that amazing knowledge of yours and experiences of <laughs> far out. It's so vast. Um, you've got so much knowledge. I just want to check, is there any other topics you want to cover before we wrap up? Because oh, we've covered a lot. I mean, I guess, you know, business owners, keep on trucking along. You've got this. Um, it, it's a challenging time for any business owner in the world right now, big and small. Don't forget what your why is. Um, you know, when you're feeling uh, that this is kind of one of these times where we don't know if we're going to make it, take, take it, take a seat, stop and think why you started your business. The other thing that I think is hard is when business ownership can be so lonely, you know, maybe our partner is not a part of the business or maybe we're a single individual running a business on our own, whether it's brick and mortar or virtual um, or whatnot, sit down and talk to other people, put yourself in, um, in the presence of other entrepreneurs because you're not alone. We're all feeling it. Um, I've had days where, you know, working with clients who are getting ready to close their business, those are tough conversations. And I get off that call and sometimes it feels defeated. So, you know, for any business owner out there um, that's struggling right now, get yourself in a community of other business owners. Um, hop on a call with me. Um, I offer free business strategy calls for anyone that needs them because um, it's a hard time to be a business owner. And I want to acknowledge you for all the work that you do. That's amazing. And you said hop on a call with you. How can people connect with you? Yeah. So you can find me um, on Facebook and Instagram, um, Why Coaching and Consulting. There's links on both of those platforms to book a free strategy call. Again, um, you know, obviously my work as a business consultant wouldn't exist without business owners. So it is important that I do my part to make sure that people um, understand that there's resources out there for them. Um, I love to just get to know a client. I have a little bit of a different approach, I think, than um, other consulting businesses out there. I really take an individual business approach. I don't have eBooks. Um, I don't have uh, special, you know, um, six module platforms. I really want to get to know every business owner on an individual level. I want to know what your challenges are. I want to know what you're struggling with, and I want to create a, a, a coaching program that's going to be based on who you are and who your business is. And what, this is just what, something that popped into my head. Yeah. So what do you do in terms of why? When your why is something deep, core, personal. So why do I do what I do? Let's just say it's starting a business. It could be anything. Why I am progressing in my career and I want to become a lawyer, whatever it might be. But what, ha what do you do when your why is, I'm doing this for my kids. I want to be able to provide for my kids. Or um, it's to do with the family. But mm -hmm. then the actions that need to be taken to challenge that value. And so your value is why am I doing this? I'm doing this for my kids or my, my spouse, but then that requires you to be super busy and spend all this time. Yeah. How do you deal so, with that? So you just said it, right? So my husband um, is a mental health therapist and I have learned so much from him over the years. And it's really helped me support my clients in the best way because 
part of what I think is really unique that a lot of people don't realize as a business consultant, we don't just help clients with their business. Um, we are learning about these business owners on a very intimate level, right? I learn about their families and their kids and their loved ones and the struggles that are going on in their personal lives. So what you just said is so important, values. Um, something that my husband and I talk about a lot is, are we living by our values? And this is really interesting because you just brought up a really important part where, you know, your value is taking care of your family and being a provider for your family. But another value is also being a role model to your family and valuing the work that you do and how it impacts other people. Um, so I think it's identifying, am I living by my values? And so something that was really important to me when I was thinking about starting a business was my values are truly, I want to impact change in the world um, in the ways that I can. And I really believe that change happens one person at a time. And so I identified that one of my values is to impact people on a very personal level in the ways that I can. And so the work that I do is, you know, living by my values while also acknowledging that in order for me to live by my values, it impacts other aspects of my life. So I think it's really important to make sure that when we're identifying what our why is, also talking about what our values are because those are going to go hand in hand mm, awesome all right time for 10 and 10 this is the all 10 right. questions in 10 <laughs> seconds that i warned you about that i've been taking notes as we have you have okay. you've been talking um any regular listener will know that number 10 is the same question i'm going to keep that a surprise okay from you. okay um, sounds good Right. So you can go, we're not really too strict on the whole 10 seconds. You can, I've had people go for nearly 10 minutes. I can think for a second. <laughs> <laughs> if you need to pause and think it's fine. Um, okay. if you, if you want to go into more detail, you can, or if it's one word, feel free. Okay. But it's the first thing that comes to mind and it might, okay. be, it might be a question. It might be a statement. It might be a word. Okay. Number one, importance of international education. Oh, 10. Wait, wait, are you, is that like, do I have to like rate it or? Oh, no, no, whatever, whatever comes to mind first. So if you want to rate it, you can rate it, but it's just oh. whatever comes to mind. So you might say it is extremely important or you might give me a story on international education. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's go again. All right. So number one, <laughs> take two, number one, importance of internet, international education. It's invaluable. Um, you know, part of what I saw working in international education is when people engage from other parts of the world, you grow as an individual, right? So these families would have a uh, exchange student from Italy live in their remote town in Wisconsin. You know, this whole community got to meet this young lady from, from um, overseas. This whole community got to learn about her and it started slowly impacting other families. So international education, invaluable. We need more of it. <laughs> Awesome. I think I learned more from traveling than anything else in my life. Life experience. Yes, I totally agree. It's so important. Number two, nonprofits. Oh, nonprofits. I think that there are so many amazing nonprofits out in the world. I think if you have not engaged in a nonprofit in some way, whether it's volunteering for them or being on a board or helping um, get awareness out there, um, find a nonprofit that you align with and get involved. Yeah, I would have shared what your nonprofit is called. Yeah, so or the nonprofit. I, <laughs> I didn't actually know. So um, the nonprofit is called Loop. Um, it is Learning Exchange for World Peace. 
That's it, that sounds so powerful. <laughs> Number three, Peru. Oh my goodness. Hike Machu Picchu. Um, if there's anywhere you're going to go in the world, uh, please go there. It's a beautiful place. Um, the people are amazing. The food is amazing. And it, it's truly life-changing. Learning about the uh, history um, of that area is just awesome. Well, that kind of leads us into number four, which is Machu Picchu. Oh my goodness. It's funny because I was just, um, my husband and I listen to podcasts like all day long. We love podcasts. Um, and I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about where they wanted to go and why they wanted to go. And, um, the individual on the podcast said, you know, Machu Picchu was life-changing for him. And right away I, I perked up and I was like, Oh, I hope he has like a story about getting food poisoning. Like I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he said, you know, when he got there, you know, he, he hiked there and, you know, got to engage with people from all over the world who were, who were there, you know, traveling and doing the same thing. But he's like, when you're in a place like that, that has such deep historical um, importance to that region, it, you can sit there and truly start thinking about what existed so, so long ago. Um, and it really brought me back while I was sitting there with my friend, dehydrated from being so sick the night before and like tearing up and saying, I'm so grateful to be here. And I'm so blessed that these people took care of me last night. And what would it have been like, you know, when all of this existed and it wasn't just tourists. Um, but I think that it's something that I, I want to make sure other people understand the value of travel. Um, I know that it's especially right now with everything going on in the world, um, international travel is truly life-changing. Um, you know, if you've never done it, you know, pick a place that's a, an, an easy flight, you know, Europe, start there. Um, but there are so many beautiful people and, and beautiful things to experience in the world. And sometimes we kind of get stuck in our bubble. So sorry, that was a rant. <laughs> that, that's all right, because I'm going to add a, a little second point to this. So is Machu Picchu the best world wonder you've ever been to? And if it's not, where where else is? And if it is, what, what comes second? Um, you know, I, I, I've been to, you know, Ecuador was beautiful. Um, the, the, the ruins in Mexico are beautiful been all over Europe, but I think Machu Picchu takes the cake. It really does. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Number five, the importance of disconnection. Oh my goodness. It's so important. We are so, 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 so addicted to screens these days. Um, kids, adults, everyone in between. I think disconnecting from electronics is so important. Um, obviously, there's so many other things we can disconnect, whether it's from sweets and sugar and all those things. Um, but I think disconnecting from screens is so important. I think everyone should kind of do a uh, detox every once in a while um from social media from screens um very important that's such a i like that that's such a good concept people talk about detoxing nutritionally but not technologically i love that yeah. um, by the way have you seen a movie on netflix called the social dilemma i have not no you, you have to see it check that out it's a very very interesting movie um number six what comes to mind first when you think of career change Oh my goodness. I love it. Okay. So I love this. I love this question because I'm the type of person that, you know, you, you, you work a job usually full-time 40 hours a week. And I think that there are many people in the world that are unhappy in the work that they do. 
And I know that part of that is privilege to be able to say, hey, I can go and do a career change. But something that has, you know, really been a part of my journey is getting to a point where, you know, at the university, I got to a point where I didn't feel fulfilled in the work that I did. Part of what was going on politically and some of the challenges that existed for international students was, you know, really core um, in the work that I did. And so I knew that it was time for a career change. And a lot of people were questioning it. They're like, well, you have a secure job, you make great money, there's all these perks. And I said, but I don't want to just settle because it's easy. And so going from a career, uh, a stable career to a very unstable situation in a field I never actually worked in before, I don't necessarily say it's a gamble. It's a life learning experience. I mean, again, if I wouldn't have made that career change, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Um, and so I think every opportunity, I had a short stint with um, a, a very interesting uh, company where I was there for two months and I was like, what am I doing? This is not what I want to be doing. And I resigned and I said, you know what, I'm so grateful for this opportunity, but I realized like I really do belong in the health and wellness industry. And so I'm going to go pursue that one way or the other. And I think people are so afraid to move into the unknown. Um, we, we've become very, very nervous about change, um, but change is good. Change is good. If you are unhappy in your career, whether you're 20, 40, 60, you can make a change. Did you come up against any resistance from anyone in your family or your network in some way in regards yeah. to Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of family members that were very supportive and saying, you know what, I know you're going to be uh, successful at anything you do. And then, you know, there are other people in my family that were like, you know, you have a really stable career that has benefits, um, that has a 401k. And so, you know, just work your 40 week job and then start your family. And that was hard for me because I, I felt sometimes like that was a judgment on, you know, whether or not I could be successful. And so, you know, those conversations were tough where I said, you know, I don't want to just work a 40 hour week job and be unhappy. Um, I want to feel full, be full, feel fulfilled in the work that I do. And at the end of the day, for me, money isn't um, what fulfills, I think my life. Um, it's nice when you can pay the bills and you can plan for retirement. Um, but I, I definitely feel like putting in the work to have a career that um, brings you joy every day. It's pretty what do you important. think about, what do you think about the idea of con considering and paying attention to what you do and then how you do it. How much emphasis should be put on how you do it? Because I think a lot of people focus on uh, what am I going to do, but they mm -hmm. don't spend enough time considering the how and how they're yeah. spending their life in that career. Yeah. I mean, I think so many people are just kind of on autopilot. And so we, we sometimes don't realize that we're not fulfilled in what we're doing. And I think you bring up something so important because Part of what I, you know, really want to illustrate, you know, my nieces and nephews, um, you know, they see my husband and I kind of starting our own businesses and being entrepreneurs. And I think there's often this this fear of failing and failure is so important. It's okay to fail. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. And I think what happens is we get so nervous about failing that we, we don't do anything. And so, you know, a big thing that I talk to my clients about is, as long as you are being true to who you want to be as an entrepreneur, as long as you're being true to your clientele in terms of the services you're offering, and we're not doing anything shady behind the scenes or giving them low quality products, um, you will have success. Now, success is measured on a variety of different um, 
points. And financially, that's a big one. Now, can your business do better when you have a perfectly aligned uh, branding package and perfect marketing? Yes, right? But those things are not gonna all come at once and that's okay, even for me right now. I don't have a website because I'm actually afraid if I get a website, I'm gonna get inundated with work that I am not ready to take on and I don't wanna turn people away. Um, would I love to hire someone to do my marketing full time and make it all perfect and pretty? Yeah, for sure. It's okay though. It doesn't need to be perfect. Uh, number nine, flexibility. <laughs> flexibility. Um, in the world of entrepreneurship and small business ownership, you have to be flexible or you will crash and burn. Um, <laughs> I think this is, you know, this is something where like I learned that I had to be more flexible even in my daily, uh, daily to-do list, right? Like I create a I'll literally write out my schedule by the hour and I love it. I'm like, okay, I got two hours to do this and I'm going to get it done. But then before you know it, that one phone call that you took that, that was supposed to take 10 minutes took an hour. Um, and so I've definitely become more flexible in life. And I think it's going to benefit everyone to be more flexible in their life if they can be. I think this um, 10 and 10 thing has gone out the window in the last couple of episodes. <laughs> oh no, it's just to be 10, 10 I'm sorry. It's, no, 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 no. I've been the one asking you questions. I'm so intrigued. I think I'm going to have to change the name for it, though, is what I'm getting at because I'm finding so much value in these last 10 questions and having time to 30 to 45 minutes to chat and then to be able to go, okay, I want to ask more about these. And it's like a condensed... Yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Well, and you said like, you said like, well, it can be a statement. I'm like, oh, 10 second statement. I'm not good at that. <laughs> Uh, all right, but well, this is number 10. So okay. this is what I ask everyone. And this is, um, I'm intrigued by this question. If you could go forward in time or back in time, which would you go and why? And where would you go to? Oh my gosh, that's a loaded question. Yeah, um, so I'll give you some time to think about it. Most people do okay. need a bit of time to think about it. Yeah. Okay, so if I could go back in time or forward in time. All right. My first thing that comes to my mind is I wouldn't want to go back in time because everything that has happened in my life, um, I have learned from it and it has helped me grow. I mean, I, we, we, we haven't even covered all the things. Um, I had heart surgery, unexpected heart surgery at 19, my freshman year of college. And at that moment I was like, what am I doing? Like, I can't get heart surgery. I gotta go turn in an English paper. Um, but that experience like profoundly impacted how I live my life and how I want to really like find a work-life balance and live life to the fullest because, you know, every day is truly a gift. Um, going forward, I don't really think I want to go forward. I, I, want, I don't want to know what's coming. Um, I, want to, I want to go through it. Um, I, I love the quote, um, the only way out is through right? Like the only way out of a challenging um, situation is going through it and getting uncomfortable. Um, so I don't know. Can I just say, I just want to stay right here, like right here where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually don't think I've ever had that answer. I actually don't think no one has ever said I'm staying right here. I, don't, I have to go back and check the other episodes. I think I'm good. I think I'm going to stay here. September sure. 11, 2020. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> the day of recording. All right. Um, actually, that's an interesting date in the US. So what are we, 19 years now from... Yeah. Yeah. And so how, seeing as we're talking about the right present here and now, how's it been yeah. today? Anything changed? Yeah, you know, 
Today is, you know, obviously a, a somber day, right? We, we lost a lot of, of people and we experienced something that impacted um, the world in a way that no one saw coming. Um, you know, my husband and I and, and my close friends and family talk about like, where were we on this day? And I was in high school. Um, I was in my English class and, you know, there was an announcement and the teachers brought in the TVs so we could watch the news. And it was the first time that I felt that I was a part of history. I was old enough to understand what was going on and old enough to say this is something that like we will talk about and our kids will talk about. Um, and I think it's something, you know, really important to acknowledge that happened and also think about like what has happened since then? Like, are we making progress to some of the things, um, you know, that we want to impact? And, you know, I had a really interesting conversation with a colleague yesterday from um, you know one of the companies that I do uh, consulting with, and you know he said some really powerful things of like sometimes it's it feels overwhelming you know to think about how do we impact change on an individual level, and you know what I told him is I really do believe change happens. Um, one person at a time. So you might not be a politician, you might not be, you know, on a board of directors to get a huge donation to impact, you know, funding in some way for some of these causes, but be the positive change in your community, be the positive change um, in your friend group, be the positive change as the, you know, uh, owner of a company and stand by, you know, what you value is important and that will impact change in the world. What a strong way to finish this episode, Therese. <laughs> thank you so much for being a part of the Mind Your Body podcast. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Are you frustrated that no matter how much you try, no matter how good you plan to eat, no matter how much you intend to exercise, you just can't seem to stay on track with your health and fitness goals? Do you feel like your best of intentions to have more energy and feel better about yourself results in having even less energy and feeling down? What if there was something you were missing? What if eating healthy was actually enjoyable? What if you looked forward to exercise? What if moving more could actually be really easy? I've put together a free ebook just for you, detailing the strategies for having more energy and feeling better about yourself. And I want to give it to you absolutely free. To get instant access absolutely free, simply visit jacobandre.com. That's J-A-C-O-B-A-N-D-R-E-A-E.com.